0: Hey, there's a show you might want to know about. Now in its 10th season, Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom is a podcast about tragedy, triumph, unequal justice, and actual innocence. Based on the files of the lawyers who represent them together with other criminal justice activists and experts, Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom features interviews with men and women who have spent years in prison for crimes they did not commit. Some of them having even been sentenced to death. These are their stories. Look for Wrongful Conviction wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And I'll be, I promise that I will use it or not use it as the case might be. Okay. And try to be really sensitive to all it all. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It's a lot. a lot of shit. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I love that we're doing this, mostly because I get to listen just to you <laughs> and your story. Aw. Yeah. Do you need to move your leg or anything? I feel fine. Okay.
2: Hey,
0: Alex. Hey, John. Nice to see you. You too. So um, before we get started, I just, I wanted to let you know that I have, that, that I'm pretty conservative mm-hmm. uh, and kind of traditionalist. When it comes to language, words, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't really like um, impact as a verb. Still, though, that train has left the station. I think for in the culture, I'm not really on board. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can guess where I'm going with this.
1: Oh, I know where you're going, John. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, they as a as a gender neutral singular pronoun. I am mm-hmm. um, gonna work on it. I am mm-hmm. gonna try to get there and I'm, I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just going to take a little practice. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the American dialect society gave it the seal of approval. In fact, named it the word of the year for mm-hmm. 2015, right? That's, That's right. what did you think when you heard that?
1: I wasn't shocked. I was just surprised why everyone else was surprised.
0: But more important than that, you know, I like you and you're cool mm-hmm. and you would like to be called they.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. And you know, it's more so not even that I would like that. It's more so that it's like one day someone decided they were going to call me a pronoun that is not the correct pronoun. And I'm telling you, this is the correct one. It's not even that I like it. It's just the correct one. You know, it's like, John, when people refer to you, what feels correct to you? Right?
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. It's really funny because people often say, you know, it's just I'm not used to it and people use singular they all the time Obviously when they talk about the classic example is when somebody leaves their umbrella in the room You don't know whose it is. They left their umbrella Um, But I also tell people you know if you're having such a hard time imagine that I was holding a dog And then you can just be like they the dog and Alex So me and my imaginary dog if that helps you great congratulations. If not, I don't know, make it work.
0: All right, off we go. Let's go. I'm John Bewin. It's Seen on Radio, episode 15. Alex Bobich was born in Bosnia. Now they're just down the road. I'm sitting in Durham. Alex lives in Greensboro, North Carolina. Alex came over to CDS in the summer of 2015 for our advanced audio bootcamp course, Making It Sing. That week, they made a version of this piece about their friend Leila Noor. It's part profile, part tribute. Really, it's a kind of heartfelt audio love letter. I liked the piece so much, I asked Alex to work up a version for the podcast. As Alex puts it, it's the story of a white immigrant troublemaker from Eastern Europe, a black revolutionary musician from New York City, and how one of them saves the other. Speaking of language, there's some of the adult variety in the piece, F-words and so on, just in case you need to know that.
1: In 1991, I was in the first grade in Sarajevo, Bosnia. Midway through the year, my parents pulled me out of school because suddenly Bosnia was in the midst of a civil war. Soon after that, I was wounded by seven shrapnel from a grenade that landed in front of my house. So my mother and I spent the next four years living in an underground bomb shelter in our neighborhood. I bet your neighborhood doesn't have one of those. After escaping the war, my parents and I came to the United States as refugees. I went to public school, got kicked out of the English as second language program because I talked too much. And still, somehow I made it to college. In those days, I was so depressed that I slept until I had to go to class, and after class, I would go right back to sleep. I hardly did anything else. You get the idea. But then I joined a radical drum corps and made lots of great friends. There were many ups and downs in those days. And so one day, while I practiced, I looked across the train tracks from our gravel parking lot, and there was Layla
3: and I saw a thunder playing drums and being radical and sexy. And I was just like, oh my God, who are these like really hot, grungy looking gay people? Like, you know, these homos. And then the first person that opened their goddamn mouth to me is Alex. Don't be scared.
1: Act like a ghetto black woman. Come on, come over here. We're fine. No, come over here. We're fine. Come on over. And I was just kind of like, oh shit. It's symbolic that Layla and I first met across the train tracks. On paper, we're very different. But in reality, at least I'd like to think, we are very fond of each other.
3: Look, I think you're an asshole. I was like, oh
1: my God, I think you're an asshole. Okay. This banter does something for the both of us.
3: Like it was healing. Fucking genuine communication was just healing. And it was beautiful.
1: Though just in case it's unclear, this is how Layla really feels about me. And then I've loved you ever since. You're my favorite. Let's hear that again. You're my favorite.
3: You're my favorite white person. I was thinking about that also recently when I was like, I'm not gonna be having white people all them my like most intimate, my most
1: safe space. And then I was like, besides
3: Alex, you know.
1: For you to understand how I became Layla's favorite white person, let's start with who she is. Yeah.
4: Cause it's such a blessing, cause it is all about love.
1: I said, Layla was raised in Brooklyn, New York in a large Muslim family. I'm one of like
3: 22, 23 kids in total. My mother has nine. Um, so you know, I was raised on that, that government cheese and food stamps.
1: With her early interest in music, Layla composed Nasheed's, which are Islamic chants or songs for her brothers and sisters.
3: And so I wrote this little, like, hip-hop jam on the keyboard. You know, they have, like, little beats and stuff, and so it's like... It was, like, one of those things. And so, me and my little brothers and sisters, we used to rap it all the time and stuff, and they thought I was cool. They were like, you're going to be, like, a hip-hop artist doing hip-hop nasheeds. It's going to be so cool. And then they were like, Oh actually you're a woman, so you can't do that shit. Another level of my conflict. And so then I started playing guitar and then I started to like really acknowledge like the power of music. Um, by realizing like the different artists or the different songs that really helped to like heal me through a lot of like depression, you know, thoughts of like suicide. It was only like music and Nasheeds that really brought me through and so I decided to like use my music as a way to like heal myself. Which in turn I realized was was helping and healing people.
1: This healing is definitely something that resonated with me. I've been in Layla's audience since her first show five years ago. I continue listening to her music because she openly deals with so many difficult emotions.
3: Yeah, my music releases like my most like darkest and angry um, and unloved emotions, but in this way that feels very very good. Like. I have a song called My Dear America, which sounds like a very like, un-American, super hateful fucking song, but it's actually just like a really sweet love song about my experience growing up Muslim, growing up black, um, and how I felt like I was always the other. It's you, you
4: started the fight first, my dear America, I was in love with you, you broke my heart and now we're fucking through. And I don't want to see your face again,
1: no. Leila says so many things that I'm afraid to say. She writes about the very things that keep me awake at night. Like this. You
4: lift me up. You broke me down and then you locked me up. Then you blame it on somebody else. Well, I could.
3: And so I played this song actually with like a lot of um, a lot of fear even though it felt really good to say those words and get them out. Um, and then like gradually folks would tell me how much that song, you know, meant to them that like finally um, there was something that explained what it was they were experiencing also in America.
4: Well my mama told me to be on top. You must stand on others with a ruthless heart. And you
1: always I spent so many years avoiding my emotions, and here was Layla in my face with the truth at every single show. A perfect example of this is Layla's song, Palestine. Well, hello girl,
4: what's your name? I love your curls, and your pretty face, but I heard that you
1: And at one show, instead of singing the word Palestine, Layla sang My Pretty Bosnia. And I just lost it.
4: My Pretty Palestine.
1: And I'm not the only one that cried at her shows. But before I get to that story, it's important to say that Layla's family has not supported her in a substantial way since she came out to them as a lesbian.
3: Um, gradually, between the ages of like 15 to 17, 18, I came out of the closet. And it was like very, a very crazy time period. Um, after that, my family was just straight up just like, Absolute rejection. No, you gotta leave. This is crazy. It's gross. It's a disease. It's blasphemous. How can we help you? How can we save you? You know all those different. There were all those different processes, and so for a long time, I fought for my family's acceptance.
1: And although that acceptance has not come, even her family was moved by her music.
3: My mother and my stepmother, Khadija, they came to my show. This is the this is the first and only show any of my family has ever come to. That blocks. My mother, Muslim woman, covered head to toe. My stepmother, also the same. I was already nervous. Now I'm like shitting bricks. And I remember during one of the songs about children being mistreated, people holding on to their prejudices so much that they would rather see a person die than to like change their mind. Um, and I remember singing that song and seeing my mother, and my stepmother,
1: crying. Since then, Layla wrote a very personal song called Umi, which means mother in Arabic.
3: I realized that like all throughout my life, I was feeling very happy. I was feeling very healed and that the darkest and most hurtful, most broken parts of my identity were all connected to my family and their treatment and their like, fucking stagnation when it came to being able to get past me being gay and just love me for who I was and so um, it actually probably wasn't until like two years ago I felt like the best thing for me to do as a person to be able to like grow and heal and move on and, and find intentional and consensual family was to let go of that baggage that homophobic shit that I grew up in
4: Don't you know, I'm a hero, so I must fight until I
1: die. Layla doesn't dwell in her struggle. I'm in awe of her ability to take something so painful and constantly create something beautiful out of it. One of the ways that she creates is by building intentional family in her work as a union organizer with fast food workers and domestic workers and by connecting with others in the movement for black lives. I met
3: um, folks who do the um, billion, Billion Hoodies March, which was something that came out after Trayvon. Alicia Garza and like her sisters, folks who have been like really instrumental in creating and continuing to push Black Lives Matter as like a social issue. I met like a few Black Panthers. I met the family of Eric Garner, and Mike Brown, and Emmett Till, and Fannie Lou Hamer, and Tamir Rice.
1: Leila honors these many struggles and legacies of resistance in her song titled, Up.
4: Let it be light like a shattered sun. Let it fall down to pieces. Let those rays strike everyone trying to start a revolution. We go to them with our problems. They ain't got no solution. There's only one thing left to do. It's time to wake up, up, up. They said Because here they come. They all got guns, and maybe you got guns. Whether pushing in the streets
2: or working at fast food. Best believe that's what they want you to do. You protest in peace, peace. and they will make you in your face. Stick a flower in it, rifle they fire it anyway. You organize the streets and they might blow you to your grave But every Friday in a grave has brought us closer to change Regardless, regardless of what they, they say Voting every eight years won't do it They make us empty promises, we tried to hold them to it You miss a house payment, boy, they gonna hold you to it They will show up to your home and show
1: you you could lose it all Well, Wednesday turn. She says, they will show up to your home and show you you could lose it all And I nearly did lose it all my best childhood friend was killed in front of her mother and sister. My childhood home was seized and eventually turned into a hotel. These are all seemingly different experiences than Layla's, but I think that we see a lot of ourselves in each other's struggle. We've both been through poverty and violence and deaths of people that we love.
2: What well, when's it a turn? Take back that shit that they know they ain't earned. Take back that White House our money pay for when they raise the price of food, then refuse to pay us more. Damn. So now we're starving in the streets they fly in private jets just to find something to eat No child left behind, so they drag them by their feet And when we try to free
1: their mind Living with post-traumatic stress disorder has often made me feel like I live in my own world And no one else understands what it's like to live there But Layla does She says the things that I'm thinking but I'm sometimes too afraid to say Like, when we try to free their mind, they sick their police on us And
2: when we try to free their mind, they sick their police on
4: us Let be
1: she says what I'm thinking in response to yet another shooting, yet another incident of police violence. In response to my own memories, the world feels less lonely with Layla because she always sees a way out.
4: They ain't got no solutions. There's only one thing left to do. It's time to try. Love, love, love. neighbor. for
1: the kids. This message of mobilization also extends to kids. Layla's social justice anthems for young people include a song called Boy. Boy uplifts transgender identity and makes topics of gender identity accessible to kids. We well, see, I
4: can see exactly what you think is gender, bending life is so confusing, no? Listen to what I say. Well, I still love for and I still love water today. I'm your son before I was your daughter, but I'm, I'm exactly the same. Fill my heart and love me now that I am a boy love me now that I am a boy so even your girl before,
1: mother, Although a lot of our friendship is focused on our individual and collective struggles, I just want to be clear that Layla and I mostly laugh together. I
3: love it. I love that our jokes make people uncomfortable. I love that people are just like, I do not know how to deal with this shit. I love that our friendship is so sweet. I love that we're so sweet on each other. I love how intimidating it is for other people. I love how affectionate we are. I
1: love that we're both like badass artists. I love it too, Layla. And I respect you and your art so much. Our friendship fulfills my longing to be understood, to feel less alone, to feel whole. I love you.
4: You, 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 I love you, I love you
3: Now I feel like I'm becoming more firmly just a radical black queer woman and that feels really fucking good.
4: Now I've been waiting on you And who knows how long this wait has been I never knew That I
0: was waiting at all Layla Noor in that piece produced by her friend Alex Bobbage You can learn more about Layla and her music at LaylaNoorMusic.com. That's L-A-I-L-A N-U-R music.com Props to Shay Shackelford, the very fine producer and editor who comes down from Montreal every summer to help with our audio camps for grown-ups. Shea worked with Alex during our Making It Sing course last summer. We adore people who give us ratings and reviews on your podcast apps. Helps put us on the map where more people can find us. And send us a tweet at Scene on Radio or a comment on our Facebook page. Let us know what you think of what we're doing here want to let you know about another thing we're doing here. I'm working on a community storytelling project here in Durham with North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, our excellent public radio station in this area, and with Localore, the national initiative from AIR, the Association of Independence and in Radio. The project is still very much in progress, but you can follow it at storymakersdurham.org. That's storymakersdurham.org. The fruits of the project should be showing up here on the podcast a few months from now. And even though Coach K dribbles the ball off his foot every time he hears me say it, Scene on Radio comes from the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University.
4: you She said I'm falling And I miss you Voilà, c'est